This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Hardwood Knox podcast. I am Andy Bailey. Uh, Mo DeKeel is with me on the other end of the line. How you doing, Mo? I'm doing well, man. How about yourself? I'm doing okay. Um, <laughs> I'm incredibly tired. On top of the insanity of NBA free agency, which I've been covering until midnight, my time, every night since last Wednesday, I've also been in like a full-blown civil trial during the day. So it's been... <laughs> It's been quite the week or so for me, but anyway, we'll get we'll get into what's all this craziness with NBA free agency here in a little bit. Um, in the meantime, we as always encourage everyone to follow us on Twitter. Dan is who's not with us uh, tonight, thank goodness, is at Dan Favale, F A V A L E. We'll see if he listens to this episode. Um, I'm at Andrew D Bailey. Mo is at Mo Dakeel underscore NBA, and that's M O D A K H I L underscore NBA. As always, we encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. I assume if you are getting this, you're probably already a subscriber. So the next step in your life is to urge, encourage, and and maybe even coerce friends and family to take all those steps to rate, review, and subscribe. Um, Blue Wire Podcasts is the network. I almost skipped that. Follow them as well, at Blue Wire Pods. As always, always, we've got a ton of good stuff going up um, on the network. NBA and NFL coverage is is fantastic. So if you're a fan uh, of either of those sports, and you probably are if you're listening to this, uh, go and check out the other Blue Wire pods. All that housekeeping stuff out of the way. Uh, I already asked you how you're doing, Mo. This this has been a crazy, not not just the last couple of days, which have, have been extra crazy, but really the entire offseason. And even like <laughs> the last few weeks of the playoffs, all this stuff started to sort of percolate. Um, where do we even start? I don't know, man. I'm dizzy, though. <laughs> uh, let's just talk about this, though, real quick. And I'm throwing you a curveball here. It was amazing the number of things we knew before 6 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, for real. <laughs> like, I, 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 it, It's been talked about many times. I don't think we've ever talked about it. But the, the idea of tampering, um, like, it's, it's really a farce. If we're, if we're being honest, like, I think the idea is as soon as the season's over, it's okay to start tampering. Um, but the, uh, but just don't do it in season. And (laughs) it's just ridiculous. Like before three o'clock hits, we already knew about Kemba, Kyrie, uh, before even. Yeah. I mean like, but like, but like literally it's all of these things are just kind of set up there and, and, and it hits as soon as the 601 and it was like, listen, now this is going to be a little bit of a back in my day kind of thing. <laughs> honestly, the biggest news when free agency used to hit was, oh man, they're calling this person at, at I'm on the West coast. So it was 901. You know, they're showing up at this person's doorstep on the East Coast at midnight. You know, like that was the biggest news. Now, honestly, I don't know what happened, but now we have deals pretty much being just announced at, you know, the the, the start of it. And and very smart of the NBA to open this thing up to uh, uh, a normal time, 6 o'clock Eastern. Uh, The Jump had a great five-hour special. Rachel Nichols was going nuts with this little crank thing, and it looked like it was going to kill half the, the, the panel she had. Um, it was really just an amazing sort of setup, but it is it is funny, the idea of tampering. I'm like, man, this, this doesn't exist anymore. Did you hear Woj's pod today? or I don't, know, I don't know if it came out last night or today, but he talked about this, and he said basically what you just did, that 
for the most part, there's like a gentleman's agreement in place that during the season, you don't go out and tamper. But as as soon as you're knocked out, it's it's kind of fair game. Um, I, I hadn't listened to Woj's pod yet. So, uh, you know, but it is kind of cool to hear that I'm on the same wavelength, <laughs> same wavelength as Woj. You absolutely are. Um, but yeah, I mean, I... I I'm almost one of those people who likes the player movement and all the off-season craziness um, as much as the games. I, it, I think there's a lot of people who like it more than the games. And it's become, I, I know this is cliche and it's been said by a ton of people, but this really is a 12-month-a-year league uh, at this point. So they they have found a way to capture national attention um, for the vast majority of the year. And it's obviously, that's a great thing for the NBA and it's fans. Now we had some, <laughs> we've talked about all kinds of different things without really getting into actual players. Um, right. So what I wanted to do is just kind of look at this team by team. And I'm just going to go, I'm going to start with the Atlantic division. We don't really have a lot to say about the Toronto Raptors yet who finished first in the, in the division. There's obviously a lot <laughs> riding on the Kawhi Leonard decision. Um, actually, maybe we will start with Toronto. Let's let's just dive right in with Kawhi. What what is going on with Kawhi Leonard? We started, or before we even started recording, you mentioned that there's some buzz that the decision might happen tonight, and I don't know if that's just like social media being social media. Um, Woj has said that it could be a few days before we figure out. I'm, I'm ready to wait this thing out. Yeah, you know, it, it's it just seems we're recording this on a Monday night. It's 5.55 West Coast time. So, you know, who knows if the Kawhi, the Kawhi thing is going to drop as soon as this thing posts. Yeah. You're, you're all, you all <laughs> are welcome. Um, but from what I understand, it's like the the Clippers are supposedly having a meeting with Kawhi on July 2nd. I thought that was set up. I thought Toronto was supposed to have the the final meeting sort of thing. And, and I I think all that was reported kind of before the Lakers had the uh, the cap space to go after Kawhi. And now that they do, there's just been a whole bunch of stuff. And I'm not sure how much of it is true, but it's interesting that everybody seems to know one Kawhi is going to break the news, considering this is the quietest dude in the NBA with the quietest team. Mind you, last year when he was a spur. I mean, they, there were stories after stories coming out about Kawhi that was painting him in a bad light, and he didn't come out once to defend himself. So I, I have a very hard time believing that these that everybody feels like they're in the know, considering this is a dude that doesn't seem to talk to a lot of people. And so it's just kind of funny that everybody it, – it's a weird sense that people think, you know, this might just be a, 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 a Laker fan sort of just them piling on and thinking they have a chance – uh, thinking they have it in the bag, really, it, it, it's sort of building up to this whole thing. And also, all these free agents moving so quickly that it's kind of been a situation where everybody feels like, well, Kawhi's the next domino to fall, so it has to fall now. Um, it's just an interesting thing. I don't know if anything's changed, you know, if the Clippers are not meeting with Kawhi anymore, or if that's been changed, or if Toronto's not going to get the last meeting. I just don't know anymore you know, what's, what's going on. I just know the one thing is I'm not believing anything until one of the top news breakers breaks it. Sorry to any of you guys who are trying to break into this. I don't believe you until it happens. And if you happen to guess, right, you have a, you had a one in three chance. I'm not going to believe you. Um, it's gotta be one of the big guys. Sorry. It's, it's uh, elitist. Sure. Whatever. I'll live with it. Um, but it's getting very interesting to seeing where Kawhi goes. The one thing is everything we hear is it's Lakers, and then some, you know, maybe Clippers. I haven't heard Toronto's name mentioned. I feel like since they won the championship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that kind of kind of sucks for the Raptors. Um, you just won what this entire thing is supposed to be about, uh, and and instantly everybody's mind and attention goes to what's happened in the last few days. Again, that's just sort of the nature of this beast at this point. I I feel like he's going. To the Lakers, um, and so you you uh, said that you're a Lakers fan. I'm I'm coming at this from like a non-Lakers fan perspective. I'm not I'm not a, I'm not a Lakers fan, Andy. <laughs> I I don't care. Okay, I honestly, okay. I honestly don't care where Kawhi goes. He can go play for the Miami Dolphins. I don't. I mean, like, <laughs> well, I posited I miss... the big three earlier on Twitter. I hope that's where he ends up. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I would I would miss him as a basketball player. <laughs> I enjoy watching him play, 
the non-Lakers fan in me is like resigned to the fact that they're going to pull this off. And it's going to be absurd to have him and LeBron James and Anthony Davis on the same team. And they're probably going to get a bunch of guys to sign below market contracts um, and just be ridiculous next season. I do think there will be some issues with depth. Um, I, I think the top three is obviously good enough to overcome that. But if you suffer an injury at, at an inopportune time when you're built that way, that's obviously a problem. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think if I had to make the prediction now, and generally when I'm put on the spot to make a prediction on the podcast, I kind of punt. But right now, I, I feel like it's the Lakers. I, th- I think it'd be really cool if he went back to the Raptors. I think the idea of that two-year deal that, that then puts him into the 35% max territory at the end of that makes sense. But as, as somebody who just got the front row seat to what happened to Durant and Clay Thompson, uh, I would not be surprised if he went for long-term money and security and all that. Um, I, are the Clippers even in this still? They didn't they pick up Mo Harkless today as part of all that crazy Jimmy Butler trade stuff? Do they even have a max slot still? They do. So the okay. couple of things that would have to happen is they'd have to, I believe, renounce the rights to a couple of guys like uh, Ty Wallace or uh, Sundarius Thornwell. Um, which, by the way, Sundarius is a freaking great name. Yeah. Um, so is Thornwell. That, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, just put them together. And two it's like, for two. You just feel like that's almost a comic book name. Yeah. So he should he should have some sort of superhero power. Uh, for all we know, he does. Who knows? Uh, I think the but but I think they still have a max. That's how they can get to the max slot. I don't think they're out of it. I don't think they would have made a move. Yeah, that would have taken true. them out of the max slot thing. Unless I they don't knew th- something. Yeah, and I don't think they're out of it. I think this whole idea of they're out of it is just coming from Laker fans. Yeah, I haven't seen anything. From anybody that actually matters that has said, wow, the Clippers are out of it. You know, I don't feel that's been the case. You know, the it's just this thing's getting exhausting in that sense. But it's a whole wide open thing, I think. And and, and for me, I've said for the longest time, it's I think he's going to the Clippers. I'm still going to stand by it. I'm, I'm more nervous now than I was, you know, a month ago, obviously, before they won the championship. But I just think. When I kind of look at it, I I don't know what changed in Kawhi's thinking. And maybe it was seeing Curry struggle, you know, without a lot of help around him when those guys won out. But I just have a hard time thinking Kawhi's going to take, is willing to take a, a backseat to anybody, having won the finals and been the finals MVP. And I know the LeBron pitch is like, I'm willing to let you take control. <laughs> Listen, that all sounds great in July. It sounds awesome in August when you practice, uh, you know, when you guys work out together and, and, and fun in training camp. But, man, when the real games hits, who knows what happens, right? So, like, I don't know if that's the case. I I actually still think if the Clippers were to sign Kawhi, I think they'd still be better than the Lakers with LeBron and AD and Kuzma. Because really? they're not going to have anybody else. Yeah, I mean, the Clippers do have a – they have a nice built-in supporting cast. Kawhi and Patrick Beverly is a really cool fit to me. Um, Shea Gilders and Alexander is still there. Montrez Harrell is still there. I think I think you're onto something there. Um, I do think that top two in with the Lakers is one of the best ones we've ever seen. Um, we haven't even seen it yet, so I don't. <laughs> that sentence was not properly constructed. Um, Shocking coming from you. <laughs> yeah, so all kinds of craziness uh, with Kawhi. I was thinking today too that um, we've we've been waiting. I guess free agency has technically been open for just over 24 hours and we're like on pins and needles for this Kawhi Leonard decision. I think we had to wait till like July 8th or 9th or something for the first decision with LeBron James. Like it, it really has changed <laughs> drastically over the last few years. I, I mean, let's, I mean, let's, let's kind of go back to the Atlantic division. Uh, Cause we're going to talk probably like 15 different times about Kawhi, but the, the dominoes that fell so quickly, you know, it, it was surprising. I mean, we're we weren't even five hours into it, and it felt like everybody was pretty much off the board except yeah. for Kawhi. Every yeah. all the major ones. Yeah, the that first night was bonkers. Um, there's there's just no way to describe it. I was on a free agency tracker for Bleacher Report, and the plan was to throw up a an individual slide and a slideshow for every you know big rumor or news item. And within the first, um, I don't know, a couple hours, 
I had two or three slides that I had to jam like a bullet pointed list of here's the 10 signings that have taken place in the last 30 minutes. Like it was, it was insane for those first couple of hours. And one team um, still in the Atlantic division that was very much a part of the action um, here in the last 24 to 30 hours was the Philadelphia 76ers came within a couple bounces of taking the eventual champion Raptors to overtime in a game seven. That was that much publicized buzzer beater by uh, Kawhi Leonard. Um, And even after getting that close against the eventual champions, we have another team makeover for them. It's kind of their third in the last year. This one is maybe a little bit more um, of necessity. It probably wasn't their choice to have Jimmy Butler walk away, but I, I feel like they recovered nicely. They pick up Al Horford, Josh Richardson, I think the fit is a little bit wonky with Horford and, and Embiid. And I know a lot of people are saying Horford's natural position is the four. That's what he did in college. But to me, he's absolutely a center, especially in today's NBA. But having said that, I do think this starting five um, is is very, very interesting to me. Ben Simmons, Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris, Al Horford, and Joel Embiid. Um, I'm intrigued. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, it was a fascinating uh, sort of... <laughs> events that kind of unfolded right yeah. you know it was like all of a sudden it was like wow jj reddick was one of the first guys off the board to new orleans which was shocking mm-hmm. then it was you know oh they're not offering jimmy five years and you're like wow what what's happening in philly like it's philly about to screw up and stay you know really lose all these guys and then the tobias harris news came out that you, he, you know five years 190 i was gonna ask what do you think about the harris contract i guess they kind of had to max him out but that number scares me a little bit yeah the the listen he's not an actual max player right, right my but thoughts this, too but this is the way it works this is you got to pay these guys max money a lot of guys are going to get max contracts that aren't max players it's just the way it works nowadays so you know i'm not surprised this is what they had to give him this is what they had to do to keep him you know that's you know, good for him. I'm happy for him. But, you know, like just in the whole honesty thing, he's not a true Max guy to me. But, you know, they had to keep him at this point when they knew they were losing Jimmy, you know, and they knew JJ was gone at that point. So and, you know, they had moves going on in the on, on, on the, you know, the back burner that doing all this allowed them to get out Horford, which, you know, one thing besides you know, obviously getting a guy who who, who made things difficult for Embiid, yeah. it also weakens the Boston Celtics. You know, I know they're preparing for him to leave, but it really sucks when he goes to somebody in your own division. The move the move from Horford to Cantor, and we can talk about this more later, but that's a massive downgrade. <laughs> I mean, it's huge. And the, the good thing for Philly, too, and I, it, it is kind of a wonky fit, although I think they're going to, they have probably the best lineup defensively. The best, I mean, they'll have, I think they'll be, they'll be a top three, top five defense in, next season. The way I look at it is with Horford and Embiid, you know, you can kind of load manage both of these guys, you know, and, and, and make things easier for them. And, and yeah. Hey, Joel, you only need to play 65 games. You only need to play, you know, 66 games, you know, same thing for you. I like, we're going to rotate this stuff in, you know, I think early on they might all play a lot together just to kind of get the chemistry going. But I think that's something that's, going to make a difference for them the big thing for the Sixers though now is they need to find shooting you know now that the Jimmy Butler trade went through and they're going to get Josh Richardson out of the deal uh you know they're going to need to find oh some sharpshooters you know the they traded Shamit you know they lost Reddick those those guys were dead eye shooters now Richardson's a good shooter at around 36 37 percent I believe but Reddick was like at 39, you know, like Reddick was one of those guys. If he got a wide open look, he practically could walk away knowing that was going in. So I think it's going to be interesting how they get there and, and, and try to add some more depth. So I like what they've done so far, though. The thing is, I just I don't feel like they've gotten worse. They're just different and they're still kind of funky in the same way that they were funky last year. So it's going to get interesting that Simmons is going to have to really kind of make a leap. Uh they, they were talking extension. I would expect that to get done pretty soon. Uh, no inside source on that. So anybody who wants to aggregate it, just understand, I don't know anything. Um, just I would imagine that's something that would be relatively easy to get done, especially when Jamal Murray got his. Uh, so I think it's an interesting move. I like what they've done, though. I, I, I feel like they're they're going to be back to being a potential contenders in the in the East. 
Yeah, I think um, I think from like a zoomed out macro perspective, I like it too. Um, I was I was more down on the Horford MB fit yesterday, like in the immediate wake of the news, than I am today. Now that I've had some time to let it sink in, I do think you know Horford. Like like I said, he is a five, but he he's an excellent defender, very very intelligent, um, moves pretty well for a guy his size. I think I think they'll be fantastic defensively like you were saying. And as I was looking at the roster, shooting is going to be a problem. Um, and losing JJ Redick obviously hurts there, but there's, there's a lot of theoretical shooting <laughs> and obviously you want, <laughs> <laughs> you want real shooting. Um, but what did, what did Embiid shoot in his rookie year? Like 36, 37%. And granted that was in whatever he played like 30 games in the last two seasons, he's been around 30, which is probably closer to what he really is. But I don't think like an average three point percentage is out of the realm of possibility for him. Um, I don't think slightly above average is, is out of the realm of possibility for Josh Richardson. In fact, he's done it a few times. Um, Tobias Harris has a couple 40% seasons. I think Horford can shoot high thirties. Um, you don't have like a devastating off ball sniper like JJ Redick or Kyle Corver in his prime or anything like that. But I think they're, I think there's a chance um, that they have enough shooting. And like you said, the their biggest strength anyway is going to be other things like the defense. So I'm intrigued by that team. Um, and as I'm looking at the list, I'm already like, wow, <laughs> I don't know if we're going to get through all this. So I'm going to, I'm going to uh, hustle us along to the Boston Celtics who um, you're obviously are related to the 76ers in the last couple of days. They lose Al Horford. They lose Kyrie Irving. They pick up Kemba Walker. Uh, and Ennis Cantor. I think those are probably the biggest moves. Um, also lost Terry Rozier. <laughs> there you go. And and I um, can't wait to talk about that with the Charlotte Hornets. But my goodness, um, we can we can talk about it real quick with the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, I mean, almost that, twenty million a year for Terry Rozier is crazy. That was that was mind blowing to me. That's the one contract we've seen so far. And maybe maybe something will jog my memory, and I'll remember another one. But that gave me flashbacks to 2016. Everything else I can kind of wrap my, wrap my head around. I cannot for the life of me understand three years and 58 million for Terry Rozier. Yeah, no, good luck. You, good luck for potentially maybe being an eight seed in the playoffs if, if everything goes perfectly. But we don't need to spend that much time on Charlotte. They're not going to yeah. be good next year. <laughs> I think that's a good way to look at it. Um, but the Boston, 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 it's interesting because – I see a lot of comparisons of people with Kemba and Kyrie. I kind of think Kemba is going to pl- look more like Isaiah Thomas in that offense. I think there's going to be a lot more opportunities for them there. Defensively, this team scares me, obviously losing a guy like Horford. Uh, I know they still have Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown, uh, but they're going to need those young kids to step up. Jalen Brown has to have a good year. I know he came on strong at the end of the year. Uh, Jason Tatum, listen, had a great rookie year. Had a had a bad sophomore year. I don't know which one's real. You know, I know some people are kind of already off him just based on what he did last year, but that's really a lot of the uh, it's what you've done for me lately kind of crowd. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he is yet. So he's got he has a chance to really kind of take his game to another level uh, this year. And then also, I'm not giving up on Gordon Hayward. I I always felt like this this year his comeback year was going to be exactly the way it played out. Good some games, terrible other games, and just very up and down the whole way through. It's this year where I'm very curious to see what he looks like because this is the year to me that matters. It's you got to get that first year when you have a traumatic injury like he had sort of out of the way and just kind of the mental side of it and and, and just kind of try to power it through. So it's going to be a very interesting year uh, for the Celtics, but I kind of like the moves they've made so far. I like Ennis Cantor. Uh, I would have liked them to try to see if they could have gotten a, a Kevon Looney. Yeah, I don't know. Wh- I don't know where they're at cap space wise and things like that, guys. Uh, for you'll you'll learn soon enough. I'm not the best with all the Dan. Dan is like our resident capologist, so we may be a little bit handicapped on that front. So I don't. So don't tweet at me if they couldn't assign <laughs> him this or that, guys. Like I get it. It's, well, it's, he got I, about I Looney got about the same annual salary as Cantor, so I think you're sure. on track there. Right, and so. I think that that would have been I may I would have probably preferred him, but you know what? Cantor's great offensive rebounder. He 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 can score in the post. And and the other thing too is and and I probably wouldn't have said this until watching him in the playoffs this year. 
man, he played his heart out this year. I mean, he practically he had a separated shoulder and he was trying to rebound. And so you could see it every time he raised his arms above his head, he was in pain. But he kept playing and kept trucking. So, you know, I give him a lot of credit in that sense. And this is the kind of thing where this is where Brad Stevens is going to become the, the, the best coach in the NBA again because he's going to take this team to higher heights. This is when he does well, I think, is, is going to be my guess. So I, I find the Celtics team pretty intriguing. I don't think they're going to be crazy contenders, but they're going to be pretty damn good and, and, and middle of the East in the, in the playoff seating. Yeah, I still think they have a chance at home court advantage um, this season. They won 49 games in 2018-19 I would not be shocked if they got to 50 or 51 um you went out on a limb there that's one more game (laughs) well I I think I think a lot of people's natural um inclination with them this season is they lost Kyrie but I so I I don't think Kemba is on quite his level basketball wise but it's not a huge gap between those two at least not in my mind and I think the difference in chemistry and, and locker room stuff could make up that gap um, the Ennis Canner signing is fine, I guess, but when so much of their identity was tied to the defense of their center for the last few years, I think that's, that's going to be a tough adjustment for them. Um, but I, for the most part, I like the moves too. And I agree with you that it's too early to jump off the, uh, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, bad wagons. Uh, I'm not sure they were quite worth the hype they got after their rookie season. And it's at the same time, they're not quite um, deserving of all the criticism they got this season. I think they'll start to trend back towards what we thought they were after year one. Um, they'll get a little bit more responsibility here again. I think, I think Kemba is going to be fantastic here. Um, so yeah, I, I think just like you said, they're probably in that four or five range in the Eastern conference. And I think they have a chance to be better than they were this most recent season with Kyrie. So they, they recovered nicely. Um, I would say from losing a player as, as, as big a name as Kyrie's is, which and, and before we move on to also just uh, the locker room is going to be so much happier for sure. I think that's massive. Yeah. That goes a long way. I, I, I know some people talk about chemistry is overrated. All of you are crazy. No, yeah, Anybody who thinks chemistry is overrated in the locker room is nuts. I've been in those locker rooms. I've been there when it's good chemistry, and I've been there when it's bad chemistry. And I'll tell you right now, good chemistry can at least net you five to ten more wins. Yeah, I, I buy that 100%. Um, which, which takes us to another interesting chemistry experiment or potential <laughs> chemistry experiment. Um, did you see the, the meme flying around yesterday of the Grim Reaper? after he, he comes out of the Cleveland Cavaliers locker room and he goes to the Celtics locker room and now he's knocking on the door of the Nets. Oh, no, but that's hilarious. <laughs> it was good. I love that. Yeah. Um, t- it is interesting to me that the Nets have this really nice, um, intriguing young core, just made the playoffs. They have most of those guys back from last season. And now it's going to be them and Kyrie Irving um, this year. Obviously, Kevin Durant will be around, but he's not going to play. This season, I I don't think it's going to go as poorly as things went in Boston, but I, I would at least be a little bit worried if I'm a Brooklyn Nets fan. Um, I don't know. I, I, I still think this team will be pretty good. They'll probably get back to the playoffs. But after what we just saw with Kyrie in Boston, I think it's fair to at least have some concern. I mean, tell me if you heard this again before. You know, a <laughs> star player comes, joins a young cast. Yeah, with, with high aspirations, who had playoff success the year before, you know, it, 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 this really seems like what Boston sounded like going into this yeah. season, right? Like and DeAndre Kyrie Jordan back. hasn't exactly been like a chemistry saint lately either. Yeah, it, it just it, just a whole bunch of stuff. You know, I really like what the Nets did before before all this. I'm just saying, keep with what you're building. You know, I feel like they're taking a serious risk with their culture. Uh, this is going to be something that you you really have to uh, be confident in your culture that this is going to hold up and we can handle this. And it gets really interesting in the sense of if things don't start off right, right away, you know, what happens when Kyrie sulks? Because we've seen him do it. You know, this is something there. We've seen him start to kind of point fingers. He did it in Boston. We know all those stories. Mm-hmm. We don't have to kind of relive that. 
you know, it gets interesting. You know, they, they went out of their way to sign DeAndre Jordan, kind of stunting the the growth of Jared Allen, who I thought had a really good rookie year. Yeah, I was and he's, he's better than DeAndre Jordan at this point. Yeah, and I'm surprised DeAndre Jordan is getting a four-year, $40 million deal. I think yeah. we're on the same group chat where we're all like, man, he's a minimum guy. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, and it, this is like, I'm like, wait a minute, he got how much? Yeah. Like, that was kind of crazy to me. And it was, you know, these, you know, Kyrie and, and KD are giving up less, taking less than the max to so they could sign it. Uh, DeAndre Jordan, I'm like, man, he better pan out because they're going to be looking at him, going like, man, that extra ten million, yeah. and that was that was what what what's that about? You know, I, I I people are saying that they wanted to get Jordan so that he could handle Embiid. I go, that's fine and all, but he hasn't really been that good in two years. So yeah, that's that's a bold claim. So beyond all that, they got a lot of talent. You know, they have still have Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis Karis Levert, who was pretty much trying to be an all-star last year up until he dislocated his ankle and then came back during the playoffs and, and really showed some signs in that playoff series against the Sixers. You know, all of these guys, they got a ton of talent. Joe Harris, they have so many pieces right now. Mm-hmm. Like, they're going to be a fun team. And I think, you know, Kyrie on the court, this was a great year. He, he distributed the ball a lot last season, which I don't think he gets enough credit for. He, he made a lot of the right plays, you know, up until the playoffs where then he just decided to be a dud. But that was, you know, but this is a good team for him to kind of play with and things like that. What I'll find interesting is if they have a lot of success in this year and then KD comes into the picture next year, then I could yeah. see it sort of be a, a little bit of a tug of war in the locker room, you know. Listen, we all have those friends, man. We love it, man. Like, you're my boy. You're my best friend, dude. We got to get an apartment together. And you get an apartment together, and, man, six months into the lease, you're looking at him going, like, you don't do the dishes. You leave your clothes laying around. This place stinks. You have, you know, beer cans all over the place. Like, this is a disaster, man. We were friends before all this, but I hate you now. That's the kind of thing that can happen sometimes. And I just I don't know if they're a great match. That's something we'll learn a year or two from now. But I just don't know if those two guys are a great match. Just because the fact is, like, KD has never been really a, a screener. Like that was never really his thing. And yeah. what worked for him in Golden State was that Steph loved to set the screens. It was kind of like he knew if he set a good screen, he was probably going to be open. Like he was almost greedy about that. Steph's not greedy before anybody goes nuts. Yeah. Uh, but that idea, you know, and I, I just, I don't see Kyrie set in the screen. So it just kind of, I just don't know what the Nets were doing. They were building such a great thing that I think if they were a little more patient, we could have seen some really amazing things out of it. But alas, they, they, they got excited. The, the pretty girl in the room started flirting with them and then they just got ready to go. I was going to say, it's, it's a, I, I see what you're saying about it being a risk, but I think it's a risk that it, it, any team is faced with it, they have to take it. Yeah, I mean, it could just be me being a jerk. <laughs> I, yeah. I think anytime you've got enough space for Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, and they both say, yeah, we'll we'll do this. Um, and, and they may have thought about it. I mean, there was that report that came out a few days ago that said the, the Nets are having second thoughts about pairing Kyrie Irving uh, with the young corn and who knows where that report came from, who knows how much truth there was to it. But I, I think there is a lot of truth to what you're saying now, um, which, which would sort of back up that report. But like, I, like I just said, I think if you have that option, you almost have to take it. When I was in college, <laughs> you should made me think of this. I had a roommate and teammate who uh, after practice every they would take off his compression shorts and just drape them over a fan in his room. He didn't wash them. That is freaking disgusting. I, I you can't. This is a podcast, so nobody can see my face. But the look I just made was of utter I, I was beside myself. Um, so, I, so back to your analogy about terrible <laughs> things, roommate. You know, you're, you're not you're a, best friends. Things you're not expecting from a roommate. He used to always walk in on uh, me and my then girlfriend now my wife um just to like check on us too it was it was bizarre anyway <laughs> the other that new york weird, team, real quick, <laughs> the other uh new york team um not feeling quite as happy today at least their fan base the new york knicks i don't even know i'm, I'm gonna try to rattle off as many moves they made as i can remember off the top of my head i don't have it in front of me 
Bobby Portis, Taj Gibson, um, Wayne Ellington, Julius Randle, uh, Alfred Payton. I, I feel like I'm even missing a couple. Um, to, to, to have enough cap space for the two max guys, and for much of this year, I think most people expected that those two, Kyrie and KD, were going to team up with the Knicks. For for fans to get their hopes up for that for so long and then to wind up with whatever this is for the last couple of days, um, the, I don't know if it's a complete disaster. I guess at least they still have R.J. Barrett, who I'm actually not as high on as other people are. I, I, I really like Mitch Robinson, um, but I'm, I'm kind of grasping at straws at this point. This This has not been a good 24 to 36 hours for the New York Knicks. See, I kind of disagree. Okay, good. Okay, this is this is my thing, and this is going to be – listen, it wasn't the summer they hoped. Yeah. Right? And first off, let's go to the moves in February. What was the reality in February and, and what they clearly thought they had coming? And maybe they should have just been a little more calm about it and not, you know, have their owner brag about it on the radio. I mean, I don't know how you stop the owner – or I'm sorry, sorry, the team governor. Uh, I don't know how you stop him from – going on the air and, and bragging about all these things. Uh, but what it looked like a real reality in February and, and you don't get there if you don't make those trades with, you know, and, and move Porzingis. And I get it. it you know, Porzingis wasn't happy there guys. Like, let's just be honest. It, it was becoming a very un- uncomfortable environment there. And I could feel that all the way in LA. So if you couldn't feel it in New York, man. You guys are desensitized to it. The, so they came into this thing and it, it didn't work out the way they wanted to. I do think it's crazy they didn't want to offer KD the five year max, considering everybody else was fine with true? it. I don't know if it's true or not, but yeah. I f- I feel like it is. Just because I feel like it's a very that would be s- very Knicks. Yeah, you're right. It just seems very Nixian. Um, but you know, besides that, they've made smart moves since then. Look, everything they're doing now is. Two-year deals, one-year deals with a player option for the next year. Like it's not – they're not blowing all their cap space because everybody honestly thought like – That's a silver lining. Yeah, you're right. Everybody was like, man, they're, they're going to miss out on KD and Kyrie and you know they're going to sign you know two max contract guys that are just going to be terrible. Like well, you can name any two guys that probably don't deserve the max that they would have they maxed out on. Um, and, but they're making actually smart decisions. So really, I just want to say this. It's kind of growth from the Knicks, which is something we're not used to seeing. I don't know. I mean, they're still not making enough smart moves. Like there are definitely opportunities to jump in into some of these sign and trades and take on a contract and get an asset out of it, like another draft pick out of it. They weren't quite fully there, but we're seeing a little bit of growth. There's there's slight improvement. It's not everything you want, but we're, we're getting there. Uh, so I think that's the way I look at it for the Knicks. It's going to be tough, but you know, Knicks fans, you should be used to it by now. All right. I'm moving on to the central division. Um, can I, can I, can I give, I give you one breaking news that just kind of, Oh yeah, let's hear it. Jumped in. Um, the Sixers are signing Kyle O'Quinn on a one year minimum deal. Oh, I kind of like that. I like it too. I like Kyle O'Quinn. I, uh, I think he's a, a, a just kind of. Good guy to have around too in the locker room. It feels like mm-hmm. good insurance. So, so when they do a load management night for Embiid or Horford, you know that's your second big right there. I I, I like him in that opportunity. I, smart move from the Sixers. For as right. much crap as everybody gives their front office, and there is definitely some chaos in there. Yeah. Uh, you know they're they're making some smart moves. I agree. And prior to last season, he was like um, advanced numbers just loved. Kyle O'Quinn, and they kind of liked him last year too. I just don't think he had enough time to really do what he does. He's an underrated passer, in my opinion. There, he he has a rare combination of passing and shot blocking. I love passing bigs. That's something you'll learn about me. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks they lose Malcolm Brogdon, which I think is is pretty significant. They bring back George Hill, add Robin Lopez, um, add Wesley Matthews. Obviously, re-sign Chris Middleton. Um, I, I think the biggest move here is obviously the loss of Malcolm Brogdon. I, I think just an incredible season shooting the ball last year, and I think they missed him when when he was out for the beginning of the playoffs. Um, it's it's not like a death blow. I think they'll still be a contender next season, especially with the Warriors sort of down and out. And um, but it's it's not 
it's not an insignificant loss. Um, I've, I've found like three or four different ways to say that now. But for the most part, I, th- I think this is generally going to be the same kind of team. I'm interested to see if George Hill will play a lot of minutes with Eric Bledsoe now. He's he's not tall. I think he's like 6'3", but he's got great length, and I think he can cover shooting guards. So I think he might get a lot of minutes at the two next season. Um, maybe Dante DiVincenzo shows something. He missed a lot of this rookie campaign with injuries. I'm, I kind of like Pat Connaughton. I really like the signing of Robin Lopez. I know there's like, there's the novelty of him being Brooks brother, but I, I, I think at this point in his career, he could be a really, really good backup center too. Um, DJ Wilson showed, so sorry, showed some things last season. Uh, and with Ilyasova, um, Miritich gone, he's going to get more of a chance to, to show that next season. So, uh, Can you a say little that bit... name again? <laughs> Which one? The, 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 the one that's staying. DJ Wilson. Um, no, you know what? I, I want to hear you say this. Which one? The Euro. DiVincenzo? No, you messed up his name. It's Ilyasova. Did I say Ilyasova? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to check this. <laughs> it's Ilyasova. At least everybody... I every. Everybody else who listens to podcasts or records a podcast or, you know, works in the NBA. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Ilyasova. <laughs> Dang it. I never miss these names, but you caught me. Dan never never would have caught me. Um, this is why I'm here, guys. This is what I'm here. I'm here for the Hardwood Knox fans to keep you guys accountable. Ilyasova. Um, anyway, little the, the big thing here is obviously the Malcolm Brogdon departure um i think that's significant what say you about the bucks yeah i mean i think it's huge yeah to, to lose brockton now listen we had talked about it i think i was on a pod with dan i'm not sure if you were on that one where we were trying to figure out what would be the number that was too much to match and and, and i'm with the bucks for not matching it but i think this is why i never liked the blood so extension that they gave him i don't uh I'm not sure if it it's would have made. It's kind of funny that Brogdon's making more than Bledsoe now. Yeah, I mean by a lot too, and and Brogdon's not worth all that much money. But this is again, you, if he's a restricted free agent, you have to overpay to make sure the other team doesn't match. And give Milwaukee credit; they're like, fine, would they? They jumped into a sign and trade and got some assets out of that. Pay attention, Knicks. I just you know, <laughs> but this is you know they got three picks out of it. I think uh, two first rounders and one second round pick in, in in the next few drafts which is something that's going to matter for a team that's not going to have a lot of cap space so i think these were it was a smart move from the bucks to jump into a sign and trade but man they're going to miss him because let's just be honest Bledsoe was terrible in that raptor series yeah uh, he had a good season all the way and i was just like man let's just see what he does in the playoffs before you extend him now nope, they decided to extend him and that that became something that i thought was a an issue and and it turned out to really hurt them. It was very important for them to bring Lopez back. They did all that. That everything else they did since then, all smart moves. Yeah, you know, or I have no problems with everything they've done. This is I'm not surprised they lost Brogdon. I just felt like I actually kind of felt like it was it was going to happen regardless. Just ever since they signed Bledsoe to that deal, I just didn't think they were going to be able to find a way to keep Brogdon. The one thing you probably wish is that, again he didn't go to your, one of your division opponents, um, yeah. you know. That but that was this summer. Yeah, I mean that was one of those things. I think that that it's going to be really interesting, man. It's it's going to be interesting for the Bucks because we all know what's coming. We're, we're we all know that clock is ticking on Giannis. We're gonna we're gonna see what happens. We're gonna see if he's willing to stay if they've done enough, but. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting because Bledsoe was great and as good as George Hill was, I'm not sure how consistent he's gonna be. So we're we're gonna have to see how this whole thing shakes out. But you can't be mad at them. These were the moves that they had to make and the decisions you have to make. And this is also why building a team, building a contender is so difficult. I don't think people give it the proper understanding because they couldn't have matched that deal and given twenty. It was like twenty five a year, right, for Brogdon. I think I think it's four years, eighty-five, whatever that works out to. And there's going to be eight percent raises is the general way those work. So I'm I'm not going to sit here and do the math, but it's around twenty a year. Yeah, so I mean it's it's hard. So it's a it's a tough decision to make. I think it probably breaks down to like twenty-one to twenty-two million a year, something like that. Uh, that's tough, man. That's a tough deal. So I feel bad for the Bucks. I still think you have Giannis. Actually, a correction. I don't feel bad for the Bucks. You guys have Giannis. 
you know, you're still going to be considered a contender. You're still going to be up there another year in Bud system. You know, you're, you're, you're going to be right there, but that was a big blow because we all know there were definitely times where he was the second best player on the court. And I'm not all that excited about paying Middleton big money. Uh, they did it. They had to, but that's another guy where I'm not a hundred percent sure I'd, I'd pay him. I think he's more of a third option on a championship team, not a second option. All right, Mo, before we go to the Indiana Pacers, let's talk about sleep for a second. Um, Listen to these studies from Harvard and Johns Hopkins. Those are prestigious schools. Chronic sleep deprivation has been shown to lead to depression, diabetes, obesity, and cardiovascular disease. Maybe that's why I've gained like 60 pounds since my playing days. Um, We need eight hours of sleep. I just told you when we started uh, the podcast that I have been sleep deprived for at least (laughs) the last week. Um, Eight-hour shifts with Bleacher Report combined with uh, trials are are not something that I would recommend to many people. Um, Some of the biggest problems regarding sleep, temperature. It's tough to get a good sleep if you are too hot or too cold. I want to tell you about the Pod by 8 Sleep. The Pod by 8 Sleep is a high-tech bed designed specifically to help you achieve optimal sleep fitness. It was developed by leading sleep researchers after tracking 43 million hours of sleep. Wow. That's a lot. Jeez. (laughs) I hope that wasn't one person. It combines dynamic temperature regulation and sleep tracking to enhance your rest and recovery. It learns your sleep habits and adjusts the temperature automatically. That means if you like the bed cool, your partner likes the bed warm. Now you can have both at the same time in a crazy comfortable bed. Sleep longer and deeper, so you wake up refreshed and ready to take on the world. To celebrate Independence Day, get a free gravity cooling blanket, plus free shipping with your pod purchase, a $300 value for free. The offer ends on July 8th, that's Monday. Uh, Visit 8sleep.com, E-I-G-H-T-S-L-E-E-P.com, slash bluewire. That's 8sleep.com slash blue wire. 8sleep.com slash blue wire. That reminds me of like the futuristic beds in Prometheus and stuff like that. I didn't, I didn't see Prometheus. I don't, I don't do these kinds of movies. But I do. I will say this. I like my bed cold. I don't know how anybody else feels. Like I, I, I get too hot and it becomes a problem. So I, I like kinda... sleeping in the cold too. That's, that's key for me. Um. All right, let's jump into the Indiana Pacers. Uh, It's kind of funny how we go from one team to another, and they all seem like fairly connected. The obvious connection here is Malcolm Brogdon is now on the Indiana Pacers. And they're more intriguing to me, obviously, when Victor Oladipo comes back. But even before then, they're probably going to start Brogdon, uh, Jeremy Lamb, TJ Warren, who they got in essentially a salary dump from the Phoenix Suns. And then the one kind of bugaboo... Uh, with this new Pacers lineup that I'm a little bit confused about. Um, it seems like they're intent on starting Demonis Sabonis and Miles Turner together, which it's kind of interesting. It's, we already talked about the Philadelphia 76ers going big, and maybe teams are starting to trend back to the the old days where you look for big power forwards too. But that's, that's the one part uh, coming out of this offseason that's a little concerning to me. I like the Malcolm Brogdon signing for them. And I think it's really good once he's paired with Victor Oladipo, if he's able to come all the way back this season, that's a really intriguing backcourt to me. Um, but, but there are certainly in my mind, some questions about the fit at the four and five. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are kind of excited a little bit with the Pacers getting Brogdon. And, you know, for me, it all had the, their whole season hinges on one thing and it's Oladipo's knee and how healthy yeah. is he when he returns. And, you know, there was, you know, he, to kind of just go back a little bit to the season, like, you know, he had sat out games because his knee was sore and then continued to push on it and then eventually just made it massively worse. And I remember it being a real big concern at the time of like, yo, this is a terrible injury. So it really matters into what he comes, what kind of shape he comes back in. I know he'll come into good shape, but what kind of condition is that knee? And is he going to have lost a step, you know, at, at the young age that he has? Playing these two bigs, like it, it just seems kind of like they don't match. It, it's I know we see it with Philly, but I, it, 
man, it's it's it, it almost feels tougher with Sabonis and and Turner. Uh, Turner was phenomenal defensively. I, I kind of feel like they're they're heading towards if things aren't going right, there there might be a trade. I'm not as high on India as everybody else is. Uh, everybody seems to be a lot more excited about it, and maybe maybe again that's just me being the jerk that I am. Uh, so I'm not all that into everything they've done. Yeah, I don't think I'm as high on them as some others um, seem to be either. I do like the Brogdon signing, but but I wouldn't be surprised like you if there's a trade uh, coming down the road. Especially, I guess it depends on what Gogo Batadze looks at looks like. We'll see if I pronounce that one right. Um, that, that's that. I don't know how to pronounce that one, so I'm going to give you a, sweet. a pass on that one. Yeah, I'll take it. Um, Detroit Pistons. They added Derrick Rose. Is that all they did? They lost Ish Smith. Um, they, didn't, they didn't do anything of importance. Yeah, the Derrick Rose signing is kind of whatever to me. He had a he had a decent bounce back season for the Timberwolves. Um, I think it was probably his best season since 2012. I don't, I I don't think the Pistons really changed at all, though. I don't think he changes their ceiling much. They're going to be another middling sort of team um, for I don't know how many years in a row it's been that they've been in this position. But I don't think Derrick Rose moves the needle for them. No, I mean, like, he just he just doesn't really do it. And I remember everybody was super excited about Derrick Rose finally hitting threes. And I just want to point this, <laughs> this statistic out here. Okay, at the end of the season, like, he, he shot it really well early on in the season. 34% in October, 56% in November. Then things start to get, I mean, 40% in December. Great. The calendar changed over, and let me be honest with you, it got bad real quick. Do you want to guess how many threes he hit in January? I was going to say, I thought he had a stretch where he was like one for 50 or something, but I don't know if that was this past season or or one before. Uh, It was probably close to this one because he only made five more threes the rest of the season. (laughs) Yeah, not great. That's not good. He went four for 21 in January, went one for 14 in February, uh, only played six games in January, eight in February. Like, I'm just not going to – sorry, guys. I'm not all that excited. I, I I don't – you know, whatever. Okay, you got Derrick Rose. Great. The most important thing is how is Blake Griffin's knee? Yeah, for sure. If he's if he's not completely right, they're they're done for. And, and, and the other thing, too, and this is what's going to be a lot of fun to watch, the frustration on Blake Griffin's face when Derrick Rose gets that tunnel vision in the fourth quarter like he did when he was with the Knicks and constantly look off everybody else to throw up a wild-ass layup. Yeah, that'll be fun. Um, I'm going to rattle something off before we move to the next team. I don't even I don't even know if I should count how many games this is, but this is Derrick Rose from January 22nd to the end of this to the end of his season cuz he he ended a little bit earlier with injuries um from 3 0 for 3 0 for 1 0 for 2 0 for 2 0 for 1 0 for 2 0 for 2 1 for 3 0 for 0 0 for 2 0 for 1 0 for 1 0 for 1 0 for 2 0 for 0 <laughs> so <laughs> that's like a I mean, six, 16 game stretch in which he shot uh Three point three percent from three. Yeah, I mean, so <laughs> great. So it was this <laughs> season, you know. Uh, also, just breaking news here: uh, Kendrick Perkins is saying that he just heard the Clippers are having a meeting with Kawhi tonight. Oh, okay. But according to the tweet, but the Lakers hold the upper hand unless Doc works his magic tonight. Yeah. He thinks he's. He thinks Perk thinks he's going to the uh, the Lakers. Basically. Who's telling Perk this stuff? Well, I'll tell you this much: Perk knows. Perk and Doc got to be pretty there, close. That's, yeah, that's a good point. Good you point. know, because uh, you know Doc still thinks they never would have lost a game had Perk been healthy. <laughs> All right, um, we're already at just about an hour, Mo. Um, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna fly through. We're, the ones that are useless, we're just going to fly through them real quick. Well, just I think because um, I'm I'm going to have to run fairly soon. We may have to divide this into like two divisions per episode or something. Um, we can run through this real quick. Let's go. Let's do Miami real quick. Okay. Um, yeah, there was nothing real significant for Cleveland or I mean, we could, we could talk about all these other teams. Miami, go ahead. I mean, how do you feel about Jimmy Butler 
being he, he the thing is Jimmy Butler clearly didn't want to be it's confusing a little bit but I guess he wanted to be the man as the reports like he wanted to be the guy so Miami gives him that situation Miami made a bunch of moves uh, they uh, they also got Myers Leonard they traded his son Whiteside to Portland like it's gotten pretty interesting in that regard uh, Miami's going to have a chance I don't think they're a contender by any chance I think Jimmy Butler went to a worse team yeah, in a sure. worse worse situation. Uh, you know, the getting Hassan Whiteside finally off their books is great, and getting Miles Leonard, who I kind of like better than Whiteside, but there, but not by much. No, I, he probably is better than Whiteside. You know, and I'm just saying it's it's a uh, it just doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't really move the needle all that much. It doesn't make things that much interesting. Uh, I think again, Miami's going to be. Eight seven seed. It'll be fun to see when Miami and Philly play in the first round of the playoffs next year. Uh, but for the most part, like it just doesn't doesn't really move anything for me. Yeah, I wouldn't even. I don't think I could like guarantee that the Heat make the playoffs. Is that crazy to say? No, not at all. Because I all. I think they're going to be in that bunch of teams from like the fifth or sixth in the East to twelfth. It's going to be this big jumble of mediocre teams, and I think the Heat are still there. Um, they're, they're probably in a better position than they were just because you have at least one top tier guy. But the thing about their top tier guy now is it's, it's Jimmy Butler, who's entering his thirties and he's got like five or six years of Tom Thibodeau mileage on his legs. I I just, who knows when it's going to fall off the cliff for him and maybe he'll be fine for the next three or four years. That would be great. Um, but yeah, I don't. I, I I'm with you 100 percent on this. I don't think it's a move that drastically changes things for the Miami they, Heat, at least not in the short term. They still have to make another move, and I won't be surprised if Goran Dragic finds a new home before the start of next season. I really wanted uh, Dragic and and Doncic to reunite. I was sad when that fell apart. Yeah, that was that would have been a lot more interesting. Uh, you know, we're gonna get into Dallas in a in a later episode because we are running out of time. The I'm sorry to do this. There was one point I forgot about Philly, and it only popped in my head once we started talking about Jimmy Butler. So uh, apologize, people. I know this is something we talked about earlier in the pod, but the big thing for Philly is Jimmy Butler was their closer, and that's what he's going to be in Miami. He's going to be their go-to guy in Miami down the stretch, and he was great in that role for Philly. Mm -hmm. He was great in all regular season, and he was phenomenal in the playoffs, almost going – toe-to-toe with Kawhi in that regard down the stretch of many of those games in that series. So it's going to be something that Philly's going to have to answer. But Miami, who, who never really kind of had that leading guy for a while, I mean, Dwayne Wade was falling off. I mean, he was he was the guy they went to, but it was more cute when he did something in the clutch last season than anything else. Yeah. Um, you know, but now they have a legitimate guy down the stretch of games who, you know what? He can put you on his back and just be like, "We're going to go win games now." Yeah, and that's something he did all last season, and that's that's something that's really valuable. It's tough to replace for Philly, and something big that Miami just got. Well, I should have known that with how crazy the last uh, twenty-four to thirty-six hours, whatever it's been, um, how crazy that time has been. That I we couldn't have fit the entire NBA into one episode. Um, we were crazy for thinking we could. Yeah. It was arrogance. <laughs> I apologize, Hard Knocks fans, Hardwood Knocks fans. Sorry. Gosh, now I'm tired. This is how tired (laughs) I am. I need that bed. Um, Um, As always, if if you guys want to hit us up on Twitter, talk to us about any of the takes that you have just heard about the Eastern Conference, um, you can find me on Twitter at Andrew D. Bailey. Dan is at Dan Favalli, F-A-V-A-L-E. And Mo is at Mo DeKeel underscore NBA, M-O-D-A-K-H-I-L underscore NBA. Rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. If you've done that already, make sure you are telling other people to do it as well. Also, fire, uh, fire, follow at Blue Wire Pods. I had an F and, and the wire confused there. Wow. Blue Wire Pods. Um, until next time, we leave you with the shout out to Ben Oudry, Kyle Anderson, and Jalen Brunson. All right, man. Perfect, dude. Uh, 
Yeah, we, we covered the East, though, for the most part. Like, who else would – did we miss anybody? I mean, I guess we skipped over Orlando, but nobody really cares. No, Orlando's pretty much the same. Um, yeah, I, I think we hit all the significant teams. But we'll we'll have to hash – I mean, I'm sure more crap will happen in the next couple of days, and we can hash out when we want to do Shit, it. in the next few hours. Yeah. <laughs> all right, man. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to do something tomorrow or the day after. Sounds good. I'll send this to uh, Kevin. Perfect. Thanks, bud. Later. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.